you have your Bibles with you, I invite you, as Mr. Rios just read from that one little verse, while it not be little, it is one verse from Exodus 20. So have your Bibles open there, please. As we see tonight, the Bible scholars often employ the use of diagrams as a means to help emphasize or demonstrate moments in the text. This certainly is the case before us as we examine the fifth commandment this evening. Commandments 1 through 4 on a macro level speak to the Christian's duty to God, the Father. And in commandments 6 through 10, we see the Christian's duty to one's neighbor. Further, on a micro level, both 1 and 10 are directed at our hearts, at the Christian's hearts. And 2 through 4 and 6 through 9 are all directed at our deeds. Therefore, we see that if our foremost duty is to obedience to God, it's only natural that immediately following the fourth commandment, our subsequent and primary area of obligation falls to that of our family. Thus, before we consider uh, tonight our duty as Christians uh, to God, we must first take into account as we study the fifth commandment that God comes first, family comes second, and the community around us third. This progression then led one commentator to go so far as to say that if we are to think biblically about the Ten Commandments, we do not have two tables or sections, he said, but we have three. God, family, and neighbor. Pastor Kevin DeYoung, he applies a similar yet slightly different approach, stating that if the foundation for the first table was the first commandment, then the foundation for the second table is the fifth commandment. Either way, both men help us to better understand that after our devotion and obedience to God, our primary obligations are to our families before they are to the world around us. For how is man to love neighbor if he can't honor and obey his father and his mother? And the home is where the groundwork is laid to love outside of the home. So as we begin to work our way through the 12th verse of Exodus 20, We'll see why the command to honor was very purposefully placed in between both the vertical as well as the horizontal laws. The directive to honor offers an even wider scope than that of just a parent-child relationship, and we'll get into that here in a minute. It's a commandment, states John Curry, that requires obedience. This command, however, goes against human nature, though does it not? John Calvin, he argues that it's impossible to keep because it strongly conflicts with the depravity, the wickedness of human nature. And anyone could argue that desires power and grudgingly accepts submission. Does that sound familiar to anyone here? Yet for the Christian, what the fifth commandment does state is that not only are the people of God, because they are set apart, to then therefore stand apart from the morally corrupt and to keep the law. And in doing so, God promises to reward those who obey this commandment. Friends, our aim this evening is to examine what it looks like in light of God's law for the Christian to obey authority as well as to exercise authority. And what's gained by those who do so before we consider the text before us. Before we do that, let's pray and ask for the Lord's blessing upon the preaching of his word. Oh Lord, your scriptures teach that through the law comes the knowledge of sin and thus our need for Christ. Would you then now by your spirit open our eyes that we might behold these wonderful truths out of your law. For Jesus' sake and in his name we pray. Amen. Our first point this evening is obeying authority in light of God's law. Exodus 12, or Exodus 20, excuse me, verse 12, it, it reads simply, the first half, honor your father and your mother. 
So as the fourth commandment deals with the ordering of life and imitation of God, the fifth deals with the securing of life by the honoring of one's parents. And just as their parents have been brought out of, uh, excuse me, just as their parents have been brought out by the blood of the Lamb, all children, male and female, of every rank and of every condition of life, born within the covenant to covenant parents, are treated as members, therefore, of God's covenant people. And that being the case, according to Genesis 17:7, as well as Acts 2, verse 39, covenant law makes promises as well as imposes obligations upon covenant children. Obligations to obey the covenant law taught them not just by one, but as, as the text shows us, it expresses both, both their father as well as their mother. To do what? To follow covenant ways. The logic here implies that parents have first equipped their children with the knowledge that their obedience pleases the Lord. Then passed along the marching orders, and in turn, they expect that obedience. Just as we don't leave our children to themselves to learn how to read and write, we likewise likewise cannot expect them to know truth if they are not being taught it. Puritan Henry Venn said, Your children will take seriously only what you take seriously. Your children will take seriously only what you take seriously. Keeping the fifth commandment is essential to God's plan for passing down the faith to our children. And as parents... Should you have the blessed privilege of being one as parents, our God-given responsibility is to therefore train our children, to teach our children, to disciple our children, to do what? To know what? To how to know and how to serve the Lord as their God. Further, honoring your father and your mother also requires that parents be treated publicly and privately with due respect, not just for a couple months or a couple of years, but for as long as they live. Honor in verse 12 is a heavy word. It's literally, it is a heavy word. Hebrew for heavy or weighty. It's most often used in the Old Testament to describe the glory of God, as well as the weightiness of his divine majesty. Hence, to honor one's parents means giving them the recognition they deserve until death for their God-given authority. They're owed that. Just as children are deemed a heritage from the Lord, to honor one's father and mother means to regard them as the most prized of gifts from the Lord. And just as the fifth commandment requires respect for parents, so too does it forbid showing them any disrespect. For if they were to be taken lightly in any regard, there'd be no need for the fifth commandment. In fact, some of the most startling curses in the Old Testament are reserved for children who rebel or have rebelled against their parents. Leviticus 20 verse 9 reads, For anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Further, we see in Deuteronomy 21, If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and who, when they have chastened him, will not heed them, Then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city, to the gate of his city. And they shall say to the elders of of his city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall put away the evil from among you and all Israel shall hear and fear. 
Yes, punishment, it does look a little different today. But the chain of events doesn't, does it? The parents rebuking a rebellious child. And when that doesn't work, they bring him before the session. There might be some other events in there, but hopefully that's a logical progression. Additional examples can be seen in Exodus 21, Proverbs 20, Proverbs 30. And what these passages, passages demonstrate, I hope, is, is similar to that of an older saint imparting wisdom to a younger generation. We're not to write them off as outdated. We're to heed the advice that we see in there and to say that we are to honor and obey and respect our parents. It was as serious as it was in the Old Testament, therefore should be as serious as it is this side of Christ. We're quick to forget that the Christian's primary motive in keeping the fifth commandment is not to prevent being stoned to death, but to bring glory and honor to the Lord God who knew you before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. Children, you honor God through your speech when you speak respectfully towards mom and dad and obey them not just sometimes, but all the time and the first time. Students honoring dad and mom means speaking highly of them to your friends and taking to heart their concerns or advice, as well as seeking their counsel when difficult decisions arise. Adults, honoring your father and your mother means prioritizing their health and well-being as difficult as it may be as they age. However, keep in mind that the honor we owe our earthly parents can never come at the expense of the honor we owe our Father in heaven. Because for the Christian, it is his will that we must follow. This should provide additional encouragement for those with unbelieving parents. And if this happens to be you this evening, know that you're in good company. You're not alone. When told that his brothers and mother couldn't approach him because of the crowd surrounding of him, Jesus replies in Luke 8, 21, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. This is also your family, the body of Christ. Look around. The fifth commandment, conversely, is not just for children, though, but applicable to all mankind. Obeying authority in light of God's law in the world. So we see how we are to obey his authority in the home as well as now in the world. When God tells us to respect our parents, he's saying that respect is, is for anyone in authority over us. Question and answer 64 of the Shorter Catechism states that respecting authority applies to every person in every relationship, preserving the honor belonging to everyone in their relations as superiors, inferiors, or equal, it writes. Each commandment stands for a whole category of sins, and by implication, Phil Riken points out that when God tells us to respect our parents, He's telling us to respect anyone who has legitimate authority over us. In both the Old and New Testaments, we find this understanding as well as application of the fifth commandment relating to authority. As the Israelites often use the term father in relationships outside of the home. We see this in Acts chapter 7 verse 2 where Israel's elders are referred to as the fathers of their people. So therefore, what was true then is still true today. First Peter 2, we see, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Honor all people. Fear God. Honor the king, the verse says. For us, this looks like respecting those officers of the law and elected representatives of the state and country 
and even praying for those politicians, even if we disagree with their policies. It also means obeying the laws of the government and subjecting yourself, as instructed in Romans 13.1, to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, is what it tells us. The fifth commandment also regulates our work relationships. After telling children to obey their parents in Ephesians 6, Paul immediately moves to telling slaves to serve their masters. And in today's terms, we see that his employees are to honor and respect their employers. Because as Paul continues, whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord. Additionally, the fifth commandment requires respect for our church officers. There's a lot in this verse. 1 Timothy 5.17 reads, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the world and in doctrine. To honor elders means to not only pray for, but to encourage, to assist them, but also to submit to their leadership and their rule and accept their counsel and, and possibly discipline with a humble heart. But again, why do we do this? Why do we, or, or even why is it commanded of us by our Lord to submit even when under the authority of, of someone or some ones who don't seem worthy of our respect? Because this is God's will for us, and what do we know of his will? It's perfect. This has to be enough for us. This being a desire to obey not our sinful desires of the flesh, which seek to deceive us like that of our first father, Adam, but to trust in faith in the one from whom all authority in heaven and on earth comes from. It has to be enough for us. Thus, the Heidelberg Catechism is correct in its summary that the fifth commandment requires man to also bear patiently our father and mother's failures. Since it's God's will to govern us by their hand. Believe it or not, mom and dad, they have moments too. And our respect for authority figures, again, states Phil Riken, isn't based on their personal qualities or professional qualifications. But on the position that they have been given by God. So that might lead someone to ask, well, what if authority is abused? Then is that my way in? There are limits to honoring one's parents or exercising those exercising authority over us. If you had asked that question, the answer is yes. Acts 5 demonstrates that should any authority, be it parents, church leadership, employer, or even the government, command of you to do that which goes against the law of God, you obey, obviously, God over man. Kevin DeYoung again comments one way to think of this, that of being commanded to do what God forbids or forbidding being forbidden to do what God commands, is that the first table of the law takes precedence over the second table. We obey God before we obey man. We obey authority in light of God's law in the home, in light of the world. And now we obey authority and we see that there's a reward promised to those who do. God knows how hard it is for children to obey their parents. You don't have to ask the parents. You can just kind of see in their faces sometimes. God knows it's hard for children, for us to obey our parents. 
This is why Paul in Ephesians 6.2 says that the fifth commandment was the first commandment with a promise. Because God, like the perfect father that he is, perfectly knows that his children will find it easier when they're promised a reward. Do this, you get that. As such, we see that through the honoring of our fathers and our mothers comes the promise to live long on the earth. In verse 3 of Ephesians 6. Here Paul, he modifies the original blessing, though, as, as there's now no longer a promise of a specific homeland for God's people. But... Rather, a promise of general blessing, of a happy life, ordinarily will be found in an obedient life. A happy life ordinarily will be found in an obedient life. In both Proverbs 1 and 3, Solomon repeats the promise of of life and prosperity and ties it specifically to biblical teaching in the home. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. My son, do not forget the law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace. They will add to you. That your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. It isn't a promise to reward those who obey by honoring their father and their mother with extra years of life. Rather, be long upon the land is a Hebrew phrase for receiving those who obey, receiving the fullness of God's blessing. That means that an abundant life comes to those whose joy comes from pleasing the Lord by obeying mom and dad. This, friends, is the glory revealed to us in the fifth commandment. That God has promised us the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And we see in verse 12 of Exodus 20 that he's shown us the way to fully enjoying the milk and honey found in the promised land. It starts as children through the honoring of our father and mother. Remember, having just been brought out of the land of slavery, God promised the Israelites that he would lead them to a new and better country. And that they would remain living there. Through the honoring of their fathers and mothers. That's how serious the Lord takes it. But the reality is, like the rest of God's law, the fifth commandment, because of our sin, is impossible to keep. Our children can't obey it. Our parents didn't keep it. And therefore, we know that we haven't either. But that's the good news this evening, is that we all know, I pray you know, that there's someone who did. Jesus Christ, the only perfect child in the history of humanity, he kept the fifth commandment on our behalf, paying the penalty for our breaking of the law through his death on the cross. But it wasn't enough for him just to pay the price for our sin, because in order to atone for mankind's sin, Jesus had to offer God the obedience, the obedience that his law commands. Luke 2.51 reads, Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Jesus honored his earthly parents. He obeyed the law perfectly. He was an an obedient son who brought honor to not only his earthly parents, but also his father in heaven. And he did it perfectly. Friends, what we're left with this evening is the perfect example of the perfect child 
who is indeed our perfect Savior. When God looks at you, he doesn't see all the times you've disobeyed or dishonored your parents. Because he looks at what Jesus did, and he sees that Jesus obeyed his parents perfectly. And on that basis, the basis of what Jesus has done, rather than what you or I haven't done, that's, he accepts us. And therefore, he counts us as righteous. It's the definition of justification, the act of God's free grace, wherein he pardoneth all of our sins and accepts us as righteous. And his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by what? By faith alone. If you're here this evening without faith in this Christ, without the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, God the Son, the forgiveness of sins and the everlasting life is what he offers you. Repent of your sin and turn to the Father by trusting in the Son whose obedience washes away your disobedience. But for those already following Christ, what then does living in light of the fifth commandment mean for you? And for me, there's a couple of implications. If we are to live for Christ, then we are also to live like Christ. Matthew Henry once said, holy joy is the oil to the wheels of our obedience. Holy joy is the oil to the wheels of our obedience. Jesus was the perfect child. And in light of this truth, living like Christ means finding joy from obeying mom and dad. For those still living at home, prompt and cheerful obedience is a way to honor your father and your mother. What does this look like? Well, it looks pretty easy. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, mom. Thank you, dad. As a parent myself, nothing warms my heart more than to hear my son or daughter respond to Julia or myself in our efforts to love and serve and disciple and discipline and raise them to know and love and fear the Lord God is theirs. Then to hear them say, hey, thanks. Thank you. For the adults, it's possible that your relationship with your parents is strained. Possibly strained from the lack of an apology for something that happened years ago. Friend, now is the time to extend the olive branch. Now is the time to call and apologize. Tell mom or dad I'm sorry, even if the way you remember the story has you as the one who's owed the apology. Take the initiative and reach out. Trusting the Holy Spirit is at work in their lives, too. Secondly, remember that promised reward for obeying the law to the honor of our parents. In the verse immediately after Jesus' submission to Mary and Joseph, we read that in Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. God rewarded Jesus with an increase in wisdom to continue living a life of obedience to his parents and his God. And likewise, he will reward those who obey their father and mother with an increase in wisdom and knowledge to do his will for his glory and therefore for your good. Lastly, the second half of verse 51, Luke 2, verse 51, the second half of that verse tells us that Mary kept all these things in her heart. Now, why would a mother do that, right? Well, it's because for our mothers, Jesus, and even for our fathers, because Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, perfect in all his ways, what was he doing? He was submissive to mom. As a father, again, nothing brings me more joy 
and as well as to my knees in gratefulness to the Godhead more than when I see the Spirit at work in the lives of my children through their immediate or immediate obedience. And I imagine the same applies for you all out there as well. We're weakened because we know it's not of our own doing, but solely by the grace of God that their little sinful hearts choose in that moment to respond with obedience to our instruction. It's not heavy-handedness, it's grace. Parents, in this, therefore, like Mary, this was, this was our gold. This is what we treasure. This is what we keep. This is what we store, isn't it? The ESV does translate treasure. And this is what we treasure, isn't it? Those fleeting but powerful glimpses of the God of all creation actively at work in the hearts of our sons and daughters doing what we can't ourselves get them to do. Colossians 3.20 tells us that children are to obey their parents, not just in some things, right, but in everything. For this is pleasing to the Lord. This is a wonderful verse to use in your home. We want to see our children obey, not because it brings us glory. It might bring us fleeting satisfaction, but that's because our simple hearts say, well, we need to be affirmed in this way. I'm a great parent. But we want to see our children obey, not because it brings us glory, but because God's word tells us that it pleases him. And at the same time, it provides doses, albeit fleeting, but doses of encouragement for fathers and mothers whose days are mostly spent worrying and working and wondering what God's plan is for each of their children. So kids, make sure you're writing this down. And if you're not writing it down, keep it up here. Because it's an easy gift. It's the easiest, I would say, gift of any that doesn't cost you a thing. It's treasured by its recipients. When we honor our father and our mother, we please our heavenly father through our obedience. And we also follow the example of God, the son, Jesus Christ, who obeyed the fifth commandment perfectly unto death on our behalf. In return, he promises to reward us with his care and his provision. Therefore, we ought to live our lives as if that reward is enough. Live our lives in a way that shows God the Father that there's no greater reward than to trust and obey and respect those whom he's placed in authority over our lives. I pray we do this. Would you please pray with me? Our Father in heaven, great are you and greatly are you to be praised. You alone do great wonders and your mercy endures forever. And Lord, tonight we, we beg of you to have mercy on us for our failings to honor and revere those in authority over us, our fathers and our mothers. Would you help us this evening to rest on the grace given to us in your son, Jesus Christ, whose blood and righteousness and obedience forgives and cleanses us of our disobedience. Help us to rest on that grace and begin to therefore live out a fifth commandment life of honor and respect so that the watching world might see people whose lives are marked by the kindness of obedience that reflects the obedience of Jesus Christ himself. For we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. If you would please stand and take your Trinity Psalter hymnal and turn to Psalm number 4.
as we sing, Give ear, God of my righteousness.